We're not just a couple of middle-aged fat guys talking about classic rock. We're going bald, too. It's the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. And that's nothing but pure and simple old-fashioned communism. Some French critics called it disgusting, repellent, a cultural Chernobyl. But when I was there, I was as happy as a little girl. That's right. That's my gift to you. Can't no one compel another man to engage in recreation. Certainly not a son of a gun as ill-humored as yourself. Winner of this week's Gulf Coast Golf Classic was Chai Chai Rotroguiz. There there's a rumor going around the circus that that dwarf and the elephant were lovers. I have wrestled with an alligator. I don't tussle with a whale. I don't handcuff lightning, throw thunder in jail. That's bad. Atomic batteries to power. I'd like to say something. There's no reason why you shouldn't have complete confidence in your chances to come out of this thing alive in one piece. From coast to coast, from border to border, from one end to the other, and all points in between, the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast is on. Yes! That's awesome! We crank up and break down the great guitar-driven rock of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And you are invited to come along. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. And now, your host, Jeremy Lunnan. Yeah, we don't know anything about that fellow there. Who is he? Where's he coming from? It's time for the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. (laughs) All right, welcome back to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. I'm Jeremy, and I'm here with John. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. And yourself? I'm I'm good. We're both just kind of talking. We're... We are not at the level of preparation we should be at. We're just going to throw that out at the beginning. Are you speaking of this podcast or our lives in general? Well, well, both. But specifically for this podcast, we always have these grandiose plans. Part of the problem is I don't even, you know, it's like the night before when I text John and I say, hey, John, let's talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. So I I have uh, done very little homework, too. Yeah. So I want to start with an impression. Tonight, I'm going to start with an impression on the show. So, okay. So, I'm driving back from Montana last week. I was uh, in Montana helping my mom with some things. And I'm driving back and I'm listening to Eddie Trunk. And I was telling John, I want to have a, I want to have a new character on the podcast. <laughs> so, I'm listening to Eddie Trunk and he's, he's interviewing Jeff Tate. Okay. So, John, you asked me a question. You play Eddie Trunk, and I'll be Jeff Tate. You can ask me about I don't about know anything. if I have enough energy to be uh, Eddie Trunk. Okay, <laughs> well, let, me, let me summon something here. Funny you say that. Funny you say that. Okay, go ahead. Ask me a question. Okay, you're, hi. You're, okay, okay. Hi, I'm Eddie Trunk. Hey, Jeff, how's your how's the touring schedule going? Uh, it's, it's going really good, Eddie. Okay, that's awesome. Um, uh, how, how have the audience has been? They've been really receptive to your music? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. Um, you just sounds tired. Oh, it was, it was like, and I'm like, dude, why are you on this podcast? I mean, why, why? And I'm sure Eddie's thinking, could you be a little more excited to be here? So, what are you? I think he takes what he can get. Yeah. You know? What are your thoughts on Queensrÿche? I'm asking. Uh, I don't know what John's thoughts are. We may. This may. 
This, oh, okay. This, here's, okay. Here's my opinion. Okay. I think they're incredibly talented musically, but they came at, I think, the wrong time. Mm. Because the time they came out was hair metal was dying. Mm. Virtuosic music was kind of over at that point. Mm. Nirvana came in, Pearl Jam came in. I'm not saying they're not virtuosos when they're talented players, but they're not, um, you know, sweep picking and they're not, you know, dive bombing and all that. Right. Like. So when Queensryche came out, it was this really um, cinematic, operatic, tech technical stuff, technical yeah. odd meter stuff. And uh, the only song I remember was like parts of Jet City Woman. Yeah. Jet, Jet City Woman. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I remember. That you know. <laughs> so they, you know, you're right as far as when they broke big, right? Because when they that. That Empire album, which was like 89 or 90, you're right. That was kind of the, and they didn't really make it through grunge. Yeah. That kind of was the end. But uh, this is my funny Queensryche story. So in 1983, 84, when did their EP came out? 83 or 84. You're the, you're the numbers man for me. So check out this lineup. It's headlining, the headliner, Quiet Riot. Middle, Motley Crue. Okay. Opening band, this band I'd never heard of, called Queensryche. I'm like, what the heck is this? I thought they were kind of, the, the name sounded very Germanic. Very, yeah, and just, it's got, don't they have umlauts? Aren't there umlauts in there? I, I think logo? they had like a bat wing or something Something for the crazy. Logo. And so, I had never heard of them. And they, I remember the drummer, what was his name? Scott Rockenfield, I think is the drummer. That's a name for a drummer, isn't it? It's perfect. But his drum hardware was actually like, like chains. So it was like, it was like, <laughs> looked like chains. They're probably all made of plastic. I'm like, oh, that was awesome. And then this guy comes out. This was when, this was, this was before Jeff Tate was like, <laughs> you know, when he has still had energy, you know, he was skinny as a rail and he had like these stormtrooper pants on, you know, that poke out on the sides and the big boots. He comes marching out and those, and his hair is like sticks straight up. It's like spiked straight up. And he comes out and they're singing, you know, Queen of the Rock. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> it was like, holy crap. And so I was a fan right from the beginning. So are they, they're American, aren't they? They're from Bellevue, Washington. I they're from yeah. Seattle area. And, and one of the, one of the slams that they got. First of all, I think they were really smart. They were talented, but yeah, they they never did really the club scene. Oh yeah, yeah. They yeah. they they invested their time and energy into recording, and they like got a a deal, and they like get a fancy tour bus, and so they like basically get a record deal with very little gigging, with I think, and very little groundswell too. Yeah, yeah, and it's all of a sudden they're out touring, and obviously, like you said, they're talented. Uh, they had this, cause I've, I've heard, I remember reading about this is even as an opening band, they had a really nice tour bus and they're doing all this. So they did it the right way. However, they did it and they got record company backing to do it and they were very successful. Um, but like, yeah, I really liked their first couple albums. They're just kind of, uh, that's why I was kind of making fun of Jeff Tate is they're just, uh, and they're one of those, you know, there's Queensryche drama. They split apart. There was Jeff Tate's thing. Sorry, and, I was doing an eye and, roll about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I, I just think there's, 
him, I don't know the guy, but every time I've seen an interview, he just comes off as super arrogant and like, he doesn't want to be there. Right. And it's like, okay, so why are you here then? Um, so anyways, interesting. Maybe, maybe Jeff Tate will be, maybe he can be a recurring character. Okay. Let's do it. We'll think about that. So, but there were a couple things that, that I wanted to talk about. Um, Graham Bonnet, a couple episodes back, I I interviewed Graham. You can check out that interview, and you can actually check it out on YouTube, too. But his new album dropped last Friday, the 13th. Uh, It's called A Day Out in Nowhere. And it's it's really good. Is it? It's really good. Um, And even in the interview, one of the things I talked to him about was... His lyrics. Sometimes he get. He's written some songs that are kind of the 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 song that people always bring up is a song called "Dancer" on the Michael Schenker album that he did. The lyrics are kind of stupid on that song, but he tackles these. Uh, he writes songs about stuff that no one else writes songs about. Like what? Like one of my favorite songs is "Star Car Lane." It's on the Alcatraz album, and imagine a Ing- an Ingwe Malmsteen heavy riff. But he's singing about these memories he has of his grandpa. Interesting. And it's like, who would think to make a metal song an, an homage to your grandpa? That is very you interesting. Know? And then he's got a, he's got a song about a, a UFO that he saw over the beach. <laughs> he's got, there's a song called Bigfoot, you know. Um, that's he, our local community college mascot. Yeah. That's right. And there's a Bigfoot tavern right down the road. Oh, yeah, here that's, too. That's, I think it was a shooting there a couple of years back. Was there really? I, I, my boys always like to see the big, it literally has giant feet on the uh, roof of it. So yeah. for those that haven't seen the Bigfoot tavern in Spokane, Washington, it's, it's something you definitely don't want to miss. <laughs> no, you don't want to miss. Um, but he, he just, he is not afraid to tackle these topics you wouldn't normally hear. Like for instance, one of the songs on this album is called 12 Steps to Heaven. So what do you think that's about? Well, he was a recovering alcoholic. It's a song about 12-step programs, you know? But it's just really good. I mean, I'm really impressed. And then the very last song, heaviest song on it. I'm going to do a full review we'll put on the uh, YouTube channel. But the heaviest song on it, possibly two of them. One's called Uncle John, True Story. It was about a teacher he had at his school in England who wound up being a pedophile. It's called Uncle John, and it's just a creepy song. And then there's another song called The Jester, which is just really heavy. Then the very last song on the album is called Susie. So I've been hearing all these heavy. They're heavy, but they're hooky, right? They're really good, like, sing-along hooks, more so than if it was a straight Alcatraz album, right? It's a little... Some more pop sensibilities, but very heavy. The guitars are very heavy. The keyboards are really good. But you hear all these heavy songs. And then the very last song is called Susie. And it's a full-on string orchestra. Interesting. And he's just got he's got a great, great voice. He's 74, 75 years old. Uh, but he's got a very um he's always singing at the very edge he's pushing it all the time Hmm. you know it's very ah, but it's really good so it's called a day out nowhere listen stay tuned for a review on it but it was really good cool yeah glad you liked it really good and then the other thing 
John. I talked to you about it this past weekend. We uh, did an episode, gosh, it's been several episodes back where I talk about Wishbone Ash. Yeah. Wishbone Ash, not a huge band by any means, but a very influential band. Any two guitar band, especially from Europe, they were influenced by Wishbone Ash. Wishbone Ash was kind of the, you know, the, there were other bands with two guitar players, but they were the first ones to really harmonize solos and do a lot of stuff, map it out like they did. Um, And so imagine, you know, kind of dueling guitars vocally. They kind of, to me, kind of sound like, yes, you know, a lot of harmonies, a lot of John Anderson, kind of high type stuff, you know. I just really like them. The album Argus is the one that I specifically talked about. Argus is probably their most popular album. I think that was 72. But it's uh, they're kind of hard to pigeonhole because you hear some things that sounds kind of folky, other stuff kind of like a blues thing. They're kind of pigeonholed in that <clears throat> progressive rock category, but but they're, they're really good. I like them. I really like them. So I get... Uh, contacted last saturday by the gentleman that's their promoter oh they're coming to spokane and he says hey i saw or heard your podcast and i'd like to invite you to come out for a meet and greet with the band and all this so that's supposed to happen tomorrow night friday the 20th well i can't attend that but he says hey would you guys like to come to the sound check so cool john and i if John's still going to come with me, you absolutely, know, he accepted before, but he might have changed his mind. John and I are going to go to the sound check with Wishbone Ash. Sweet, and uh, you know we'll meet we'll meet them and stuff, and maybe we'll get a pick. So maybe we'll get a pick. <laughs> so before John's homework is, he's got to listen to Argus before that. I will do that because they're playing that album. Oh, cool. in its entirety. I'm sure they'll play some other stuff gotcha. too. But anyways, so we're gonna go see Wishbone Ash. Mm-hmm. I got good seats too. We're like, oh, we're like fourth row. Okay, and yeah. where were they playing it? We're playing it. Uh, is it the Bing? It's just one of the small oh, the places. Bing. The oh. Bing or Bing's the kind of a fun place. It's great. I love to see him at the Bing or the Met or any of those the little Fox, cl- yeah. the Fox. Any of those places downtown are awesome to see shows. Oh in. yeah, yeah. I've saw Cheap Trick at the Bing. I think I've seen several shows. What was that? Uh... Uh, Pink Floyd cover band we saw there. Oh, I don't think I was with oh, you. Oh, you didn't on that go one. with us? No, man. I didn't see that. Was uh, that Brit Floyd? Brit Floyd, yeah. They're they really put good. on a re. I mean, I think they had like a half million dollars in lighting, and it was it was surprising how much gear they had on. i perfect. I've seen them perfect. on YouTube, and they're like they are perfect. If you closed your eyes, you wouldn't know it wasn't Pink Floyd. Right. Yeah, that's they were good. really good. You saw a concert? I did. Um, so Spotify, yeah. I'm a premium member. Sorry to brag. Hey, me too. So on Spotify, I get this weekly kind of music you might like kind of thing. And it's all, and my, my uh, stuff is relatively modern. And I found this band that I kind of like called For King and Country. Mm-hmm. And I knew nothing about them. This, I, I think I favored it about maybe four or five, six songs of theirs to put on my liked playlist. And so I, I saw them come to, I mean, Another thing that's cool about Spotify is if you if you scroll down on the on the artist profile page, you can see where their upcoming concerts are at, which is mm-hmm. kind of cool. I saw one from Spokane. I'm like, great. 
And then I uh, looked at uh, the tickets, and they're about 40 bucks a piece. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I like to kind of sit in this specific spot in every concert. It's kind of towards the left side and the back. And this is at the arena? Yeah, this is okay. at the arena. So every concert we go to, we try to sit in the same kind of spot to give us the same kind of view. Mm-hmm. So I got these tickets, and we like to sit on the very end of the row so we can get out and go pee if we have to. And um, When you're 52, that's a major concern. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's You want to get out and, mm-hmm. you know hit the restroom. So uh, this band started to play and they played all their really cool songs. And I didn't realize they were Christian. Hmm. I, I mean, uh, <laughs> we went to the bar upstairs, which we, I was expecting to be packed with people at, at the intermission, but uh, we were the only ones in the bar. Yeah. <laughs> but I asked the bartender, I go, are these guys Christian? She goes, you didn't know they weren't Christian. They're they a Christian, Christian band. And I was like, yeah. no, I didn't. I just heard them on. But um, so, I would compare them to, oh, maybe not not Muse, but um, there's kind of some Coldplay. Kind of their stage show was probably on par with Imagine Dragons. Okay, all right. So in terms of music, I mean, a lot of their music I really like. Some of it is kind of a little more Christiany, and yeah, I didn't care for that quite as much. But their stage presence and their stage show, they worked for forty dollars on my money. Yeah, they had a brilliant show, and it was all choreographed. And they had off um, crowd participation. One time, one of the singers jumped into the crowd wow. and literally walked around the, the the lower level and was singing the whole time. And it was just kind of like it was interesting to see how hard somebody works. You know, I've been to concerts with bigger name acts that um, they're basically, you know, if they're glad you. I mean. You should be thankful that they showed up. Exactly. Kind of thing, you know, yeah. it's like I'm, but these guys were engaging and uh, the the show was really good. I would compare it with like, um, almost like a Broadway show. Was it, was it pretty full? Was the place packed or? So, yeah. So the, the our arena has a couple different configurations. So one is like, they used to call it the Star Theater where they yeah, drop, they a, they drop a curtain yeah. mid, mid. Field or so you're using half of it. You're using five thousand seats instead of eleven thousand. So they had it. Uh, they had it all the way at the end. So it was a full concert, but they had half, or probably the back end of the upper deck was was cordoned off with with curtains. Okay, and it was pretty full. I mean, almost every awesome. Um, so, but it was a great show. I would I would go see them again. It's you know you mention a funny thing too because you know I'm I'm a Christian, but I don't like Christian. Rock. Yes. You know, so, so even though I was a total metalhead, you know, I went to church every week, you know, I just could not get into Christian rock, Christian music. I just, I, 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 yeah, I, I could not get into that either. I think part of the thing is like this band, it was so, like a lot of Christian bands, I think they're, they're, they're They're preachy. They're preachy and and they, they wear their, their Christianity on their sleeve. Right. And these guys were, they were there first, I think, to entertain, right. which I think was is the goal of every you know musician is to entertain first, right? And I think they did a really good job. Yeah, and and then the other thing when you talk about artists that that <laughs> you know you felt like they appreciated you, they were they earned your money way back. Gosh, this would have been ninety six, ninety seven, and I didn't realize this till after the fact, but I went and saw Vince Gill. Okay. Vince Gill's country phenomenal, and he's one of the best guitar players, bar none. He's I don't a fantastic he's musician. He plays like mandolin and phenomenal, banjo, and just phenomenally talented singer, guitarist. I'd seen him on Austin City Limits. He's just a total pro, 
you know, and I thought this is going to be awesome. And we go, he comes out, he literally, I'm not exaggerating. He's wearing a pair of overalls. One strap is undone, just kind of dangling down. He's got like an old t-shirt on under it. Hadn't shaved. He looks like I look right now. Hadn't shaved for probably four or five days. Scraggly. It's like, dude, this is Vince. I mean, it was like, what's going on? Well, I just found out that the day, literally the day before he and and his wife had filed for divorce. And so he's going through this, I guess, this personal crisis. If if I remember correctly, I may be totally spreading rumors, but I thought he and Amy Amy Grant Grant had an affair. Well, that maybe it was an affair. I don't know. I I know they got together later. But this was before he and Amy Grant got married. This is probably 96 or whatever. But anyways, he looked like crap. Fortunately, he played good, but you got the impression that he wasn't into this. Yeah. You know, because usually he's dressed sharp and it's like, I'm like, wow. And even other people that I knew that went to it, they're like, what'd you think of how Vince Gill looked in that? And I love Vince Gill. Don't get me wrong. I still, I love Vince Gill. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. But it was just weird that it was like, and it kind of, it made you realize that, that when you're an entertainer, man, you, you still are living a life, right? And you can have crap days and, and, uh, you know, his plan didn't seem to suffer, but you could just tell he was not excited about being there. So, yeah. And one thing that just irks me, irks me, irks me so bad is when musicians don't keep the curtain time. Oh, yes. If, it starts, if that curtain is supposed to raise at 7 o'clock, they need to be introducing themselves at 7 o'clock. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you think about some of these artists, you know. Uh, you know, Guns N' Roses, notorious oh, for... Yeah. But you think about their fans. You know, their fans aren't rich, generally. Right. They saved up a lot of money to go to their show. They might have come from out of town. They might have a hotel. Or maybe they're, they're leaving their kids at home with a babysitter. Mm-hmm. There's times that they want to be back home, yada, yada, yada. And when artists just kind of like, you know, try to, you know, it's, it's, it's very disrespectful because people plan their lives on times. I agree. And so here's one of the things I'll say about Bruce Springsteen, our blogger, Dan, huge Springsteen fan, seen him several times. Paul McCartney, you can say the same thing. You go see a Springsteen or a McCartney, you are going to get your money's worth. I mean, they'll Mm -hmm. play for three hours or whatever. Paul McCartney started his current tour here oh, in yeah. Spokane. Our little town of Spokane was his first date. And those those, those tickets were how much were they? I I, I didn't see. They were gone. They were gone immediately. I think the cheap I think the nosebleed tickets were like two hundred bucks or Ugh. something, two fifty, maybe yeah. more. But every people have posted footage on Twitter and stuff, and it looked like a, just a phenomenal show. And he just played forever. And uh how old is he? 78, 78. I think he's getting, he's getting, (laughs) but still, you know, and that, and that was awesome. And for those types of, you know, when we were starting to go to concerts, John, you could get a concert ticket for 14 bucks, 18 bucks. I can, I can remember thinking $20, but, but the the first concerts I went to were like $12. I went to journey in 87. It was $14. (sighs) And now it's like you can't even go. A hundred bucks is yeah. the, probably the minimum for nosebleed seats. Yeah, seats you'll get anymore. Yeah. So, and I and I'm not complaining, but but just the shows we go to at the Met downtown, which is a little club, there's forty, fifty bucks. You know. Oh yeah. We so were, where were we? Oh, we were in Denver, going to go see John Mayer. So we flew in that night, 
And we we stayed in this one little like oldie time portion of town that had uh, like lofts and stuff like this. We stayed in an Airbnb there, and but it was walking distance to some clubs, not clubs, but bars and some mm-hmm. restaurants. So we we go we see this one restaurant that's got like live music in it. We're like, great. We walk to the door and uh, and they said, "Do you have tickets?" I said, "No." I was like, "How much are tickets? What is it? Five ten dollar cover or something?" Right, right, right. No, the tickets were eighty dollars a Holy piece. Holy crap! And I'm like, "Who's playing here?" You know? Yeah. I, I didn't ever find out who was playing there, but I was like, "This club probably couldn't have sat more than seventy five people." Wow. Yeah. And I was just like, "You guys are insane." Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. But to your point, it is disrespectful when you paid your money and they don't show up or or they or they, you know, quit early or whatever it is. Yeah, that's that. And here's the thing. There's no reason to do that these days or you're really shooting yourself in the foot because I can just go online and find a live concert and watch, you know, it's not the same, but yeah. And it's like people have you know, are invested in coming to your show. Right. Emotionally, monetarily, you know, they, a lot of them leaving their kids, you know, like a babysitter, but yep. it's just so like, even if they're five minutes late, I'm like, come on, you have managers, yeah. you have, you know, people in place to make sure you're right off the wings, ready to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a, yeah, there's a certain, uh, not with all artists, a lot of them are totally professional, but a lot of them I think are, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They are, um, it's a word we use all the time, John. Narcissistic? Self-absorbed? Well, narcissistic, self-absorbed. Uh, Sociopathic? No. <laughs> <laughs> some of that, too. But they're just, you know, they're just, um, you know, they're used to having their way. You know, and I, and you think of Axl Rose. Axl Rose is famous for, you know, Ugh. being an hour late or throwing fits or whatever, which, you know, just total. I think the, totally the, the problem for. is like. There's a difference between a rock star and a performer. Because if you're a rock star, you got to be a rock star 24-7, 365. You mm-hmm. cannot ever turn off, I'm a rock star. Right, right. If you're a performer, you walk off stage, you're a normal person again. Yeah. And I think that's the problem. I, I was watching a documentary about the Viper Room. So Johnny Depp, who's going through that weird thing now. Yeah. He, owned the, he bought the Viper Room in, in uh, L.A., and he kind of made this place kind of a safe enclave for the, you know, the young and, you know, talented in Hollywood back then. I guess everybody went there. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the interesting thing was the singer for Counting Crows. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Oh, but he, he had a, a little cameo in this, in this, in this documentary. And he said that uh, he couldn't go in. He was dating Jennifer Aniston for a while. Mm-hmm. That's how big he was. And he was just this. He, and I and I saw the video of this guy, and he's he looks, you would never ever guess he's he was a, a, a performing musician, uh, um, Duritz, last name is Duritz, I think, but he was talking about how he couldn't go anywhere without being hounded unless he went to the Viper Room, right? And when he went to the Viper Room, he would act as a bartender. Wow! So he was totally, absolutely, one hundred percent uncomfortable with the rock star lifestyle. He mm. could he could not handle it. And I think that's that's the big problem is we take normal people, we put them in extraordinary circumstances. But they're still just normal people. And they're just normal yeah. people. Yeah, you know? totally. And I think as we get older, hopefully, 
Have you ever seen a famous person like at an airport? Yeah. Have you ever run into people? Yeah. And it's like, there is no one that I can think of. I mean, if, 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 if Sammy Hagar sat down next to me on the plane, I'd probably say, Hey, you're Sammy Hagar. Cool. You know, but I don't, I don't think there's anyone that I would go out of my way to try and harass or I don't know. I, I just, so who's the, the, the other guy that's the, uh, he's a comedian. He's big. He's about six foot nine, chubby guy. He's got a beard. Uh, he's a comedian. He's really into heavy metal. Let me edit. Oh, I know who you're talking about. The glasses and beard. Yes, glasses and beard. And he's kind of a heavy metal comedian. Yeah, heavy metal I comedian. Can't remember his name. I saw him <laughs> last week at the Grand Hotel. We were doing something there. I can't remember what. I we... can beat that. Oh, anyway, I'm, I'm okay. by the elevator. I said, you know, I love your comedy, and that's it. That's it. What that's did he all... say? He goes, thank you, and that was it. You yeah. Know? And that's you know, I check out this. I saw Morton Kondryke. Who? <laughs> he's he's a news. You have to be a news nerd. He was on one of those news pundit shows, Morton Kondryke. I saw him at the Spokane Airport one time. I didn't even talk to him, and of course, no one even recognized him or cared. But um, my my friend had a negative experience with Adam West once. What, what he did not uh, flirt with him or something. No, he, he went up. All he was, all he was going to say is my friend was like, was going to basically like you did. He was just says, Hey, I'm a big fan, whatever. That was going to be it. And uh, so my friend just starts walking up to him and was going to say, you know, and Adam West puts his hands up and goes, yes, yes, you caught me. I'm Adam West. Yes. You know, it's like, dude. And so he's like, okay, yeah, whatever. So yeah. Brian Posehn. That's the guy. Brian Posehn. Yeah, he's funny. I met the, uh, who's that big chef guy, the muscular one that uh, has the TV show, the restaurant rescue or whatever it is. Gordon Ramsay? Uh, no, the other guy. Um, he was the White House chef for a while. I saw him on a- Oh, oh, I know who you're yeah. talking about, but oh, I, man. I don't remember. Wish, I wish I didn't have all, um, early onset to Alzheimer's. <laughs> but I saw him. I got an elevator with the guy once. I said, nice. hey. I said hey, I like your show. He goes, he goes thank you. Well, I, I I didn't ask for an autograph. I didn't even want to get yeah, a selfie. And that's the I thing. I don't. It's like it doesn't what? mean anything, you know. Who cares? Yeah, and and I I told you about my experience with Elliot Easton, didn't I tell you that? No. Elliot Easton, the guy from the Cars. What did he do? Well, I just sometimes you don't want to meet your heroes, right? Because you might be disappointed. So I, it just wasn't that great. And from everything I've heard, he's a wonderful guy and he's a great guy, but. I met him and he just wasn't that, he wasn't that cool hmm. to me. Yeah. You know, he just seemed like I was a, you know, nuisance and, you know, I mean, sure. I'd broken into his hotel room. No, not really. <laughs> no, I was, I was working for a radio station and I was actually emceeing a show. This was when he was out touring with Creedence Clearwater Revisited oh. at the uh, Bonner County Fairground. Burn, 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 burn. And, uh, yeah, I just introduced him. I said, hey, you know, I I grew up listening to the cars and I love your playing and blah, blah, blah. And he just was kind of just kind of blew me off. And I don't know. It wasn't a great, a great experience. And maybe he was not having a good day or whatever, because since then, people have told me how cool he is and how mm. great he is. And I'm like, OK, that's cool. The guy was Robert Irvine. Irving? Robert Irving. He's the buff guy. Buff chef. Yeah. Does he have glasses? 
Is he yeah, wearing glasses he, too? Yeah, he was doing a a show. A He's chef got a couple shows. Tour show thing. I'm not yeah. sure exactly what happened. Yeah, I've seen that. Saw him at the casino. I was like, he was got an elevator with me. I'm like, hey, love your show. Sweet. That's all you got to do. That's good. You know what? I'm going to hop into the elevator with a random stranger sometimes say, love your show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw. So we're also, where are we? We're at the, the, the tower downtown. The Davenport's got a bunch of hotels. I think they got bought out. But we're, I was, it was our anniversary. Our, uh, our, I think it was our 10th anniversary or something. And we were getting on the elevator and the band, the 1975 walkout. Oh, nice. So these are the guys that have a song about, it's called Chocolate. They're, kind of racy lyrics and they're from England mm-hmm. and I just like oh my god these guys are just getting off the elevator in front of me so I was like I didn't fanboy too much right I was like hey, <laughs> I like your guys' music and did they say thank you yeah and they walked off and cool. we went to go hit a bar somewhere awesome well, that's great so what are we talking about today uh, I think we're talking about Chrysalis Records we are we're going to talk about Chrysalis Records so uh, we kind of alluded to it in our 1978 uh, episode, which I think was our last episode, right? Yeah. It was. So I thought, let's just talk about Chrysalis Records because so many of the bands I really like happen to be on the Chrysalis Records label. So when we come back, we're going to talk about Chrysalis Records. So don't go anywhere. Basement can be a lonely place. Hello? Hello? Is anyone in here? Yet, at the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast, the basement is all that Jeremy and John have. Their wives don't want them geeking out on classic rock in the living room. Can you blame them? But you can help. For as little as $3 a month, you can become a supporter on Patreon. Join today and end the cycle. Visit patreon.com slash classic guitar rock. They'll still be in the basement, but at least it's not your basement. Hello? Is anyone in here? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This podcast goes to 11. It's one louder, isn't it? The Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Welcome back. It's the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast with Jeremy and John. And John, I missed an opportunity to make fun of your aging mind. Yes. So you're talking about For King and Country. Yes. And I reminded John, I said, John, we learned one of their songs in the band. And he looked at me like I was crazy. I did. I did not remember it at all. And we looked it up and we played it. And he's like, well, we never, we couldn't have played that more than a few times. I said, no, we, we didn't play it more than oh. a few times, but we did work it out. I think you were playing bass on um, it and, maybe. and Dave was playing keys, but we kind of worked out the song, uh, Ceasefire, which was from the Ben Hur soundtrack. 
it's a great song. And our singer, Tracy, wanted to sing it. So we all kind of learned it, but it never really, you know how, and musicians, any of you that are musicians, you can relate to this. You know, after a, a couple tries, if it's going to work or not. Right. If you hop in in the first time, second time through, you're like, hey, this sounds pretty good. But if you continue to have to work it and work it, you're just like, this isn't meant for us. Right. You know, and there have been several songs that we've, that we've had passion for playing. Yeah. And then we get in and it's like, oh, uh, this is not working. Why is yeah. it not working? It's because you're it's just because John's screwing the whole thing up. <laughs> no, whatever it is. But for whatever reason, we just can't. It doesn't work. And most bands will tell you that it's either going to it's going to come together or it's not. And and the standard answer is, well, let's come back and try that later. Well, if you ever say, let's come back and try it later, you're probably never going to yeah. do it. So anyways, but we did several years ago learn that. He's got a mind like a steel trap. Mine's a rusty trap. <sighs> That's all right. So, okay. Chrysalis Records. Chrysalis Records. You want to give us a background story? Yeah, it's background? a British label that started in 1968 and by two guys named... Chris Wright and Terry Ellis. And so they kind of, is that a combined Chris Ellis? Yes. Chris, Chris Ellis. Ellis. Chris, Chris Ellis. Ellis. And they thought that sounds like chrysalis. It's, it sounds like a marriage almost. <sighs> yeah. Like Benifer. Ben- <laughs> so uh, chrysalis records. Tell us the uh, Jethro. I like the Jethro Tull story. You mean to read it? Yeah, just read okay. it. Read it. Okay. In an interview for Jethro Tull's 20 Years of Jethro Tull, released in 1988, Wright states, Chrysalis Records might have come into being anyway. You never know what might have happened, but Chrysalis Records really came into being because Jethro Tull couldn't get a record deal, and MGM couldn't even get their name right on the record. Uh, this was after the single Sunshine Day Aeroplane was incorrectly credited to Jethro Toe. <laughs> Jethro Toe. <laughs> Jethro Toe. So they needed a new uh, label. But Chrysalis, and, and I kind of, I think we talked about Chrysalis when we were talking about Blondie, if I remember right. Yeah, so, so the whole like Blondie was on new wave. Chrysalis. There was a lot of kind of new wave stuff. And here's what's interesting. Those of you that are old enough to remember this, so Blondie and Pat Benatar were both on Chrysalis. And Blondie peaked slightly before Pat Benatar. So Blondie in 78, Parallel Lines came out. I think the first Pat Benatar album was the, you know, in the heat of the night, was like the end of 79. She really was an 80s artist. Yes, I would agree. So it's interesting that they were label mates, you know, so here's Blondie. And of course, Blondie, I guess Blondie hadn't really peaked because like Auto American. So the call me and all that was all happening at the same time. Pat Benatar was going on. So here are two major female rock artists, both on Chrysalis. And at the time, I I can't think of a bigger female artist at the time than either Blondie or Pat Benatar. It's interesting they were both on the same label. Olivia Newton John. Olivia Newton John was more poppy, right? Yeah. She wasn't she wasn't like uh as cool. And Linda Ronset was done by then. She was kind of done by then. But uh, I just thought it was interesting and I loved them both and I never even made the connection really that they were both on the same label. But if you look through that list, in fact, I'm I'm looking up Oh my gosh, too. they they uh they did the power station. 
I saw that, but then it says, doesn't it say not in the U.S.? Except the U.S. What does that mean? So that just means probably in the U.S. It was, you know, record company or record labels are so weird because there's so many um, little ag- agreements. Right. Like they'll they have other companies for distribute. Yeah. They'll record and they'll get money and yeah, they'll have another, yeah. another label will distribute them. Right? And then they'll buy up other small labels. It's kind of crazy. So I'm, I'm just looking at the list here. I'm going in alphabetical order, and I'm I'm just on Wikipedia looking at the list. There's a lot. What is Ar- there? Oh, remember Art of Noise? Oh. Art of Noise was Chrysalis. Was that the one that was the average age was 19? No, no that was 19. That was uh, no, that wasn't Art of Noise. That was uh, Murray Head. Murray Head, something like that. Yeah. Art, Art of 19. Noise was no, no, 19. They they work with Paul Hardcastle. They work with with, uh, samples a lot, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Art of Art of Noise did a lot of crazy. They did a Peter Gunn. Didn't they do a Peter Gunn thing? I think they did. That's crazy. Okay, so the babies. Okay. Okay, so the babies. We can talk about offshoots from the babies. Of course, you get uh, John Waite, who was also a chrysalis artist. John Waite, but also uh, Jonathan Cain. Who went on to be in Journey? Journey. Ricky Phillips, who's now playing bass in Sticks. So, uh, the babies, Tony Basil. Oh, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. I would love to have been her in the 80s because she had one song and she made so much. I mean, she's living in a mansion now. Oh, totally. Totally. And she was like forty years old. Oh, then. she was. She was like an old choreographer. If yeah, I remember. Yeah, I thought she choreographed a whole bunch of um, Paula Abdul videos. I think. I think there's a, a relationship with Paula Abdul, and then Paula Abdul, of course, choreographed some ZZ Top videos. Yeah, it was crazy. So, and then of course we got Pat Benatar. ZZ Top had a choreographer. Yeah, on Velcro <laughs> Fly. There, you don't remember where they're dancing. That's oh, terrible. Oh, horrible. It's terrible. What but was, that's what makes it cool. What was you remember on the the video for "Hot for Teacher" by Van Halen? Yeah, and how terrible they danced. Who ever thought <laughs> they should do that? That video director should have been fired. Okay, so here's a here's an interesting thing. We had a skit in my high school, my senior year. They always did like a senior assembly, and they had a routine where a bunch of football players dressed like cheerleaders i think every school yeah well but here's the problem the football players did a really good job okay and so (laughs) it lost some of the comedic element because they 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 did a pretty good job (laughs) and you're like it would have been more funny if they were you know you picture big ugly football players but they actually their choreography was down they did like a dance routine and it was like yeah, it was bad because it was football players dressed like cheerleaders, but they were almost too polished, right? Interesting. And it, so it lost some of its uh, comedic element. Blondie, we talked about. Belinda Carlisle. Here's a guy. We could do an episode on Paul Carrick. Paul Carrick He's was a, in Squeeze. The, yeah, Squeeze and his own band. Yeah, Mike and the Mechanics. Mike and Mechanics. Uh, oh. Ace, how long... Has this been going on? He's just great. And he's great. a, he's a multi, he's normally plays keys. You know, uh, the Fender Rhodes, you generally, I think. Yeah, but he'll play guitar too. Yeah. Uh, he sings, uh, my favorite Mike and the Mechanic song, uh, 
Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Oh, and he also does living years. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. He's great. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, Robin Trower. Robin Trower. I forgot about Robin Trower. Holy cow. Nick Gilder. I always talk about Nick Gilder. City, City Nights. One of my favorite albums. That's a Chrysalis album. Generation X. Okay. I don't know those guys. That, that's where Billy Idol came from. So started out there, they were kind of a punk band, Generation X, and then Billy Idol, I think, isn't Billy Idol actually, didn't he stay with Chris? Yeah, there's Billy Idol. Yep. Joan Jett. Super Tramp. Oh, man. I forgot Super about Tramp. Super now, Tramp. that was, I would love to go to a reunion tour of those guys. I would love to see Super Tramp. They, they, they were so unique and interesting. Their music was so different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I wouldn't call it rock. But. It was, uh, well, they were like, you know, they came from that 70s school, like Al Stewart, you know, Al Stewart, um, by the way, Alan Parsons produced a lot of the Al Stewart stuff. But, but in the 70s, there were beautiful records that were made. I mean, with beautiful piano and strings. And I mean, it was an, it was an art form. Oh, yeah. It wasn't. In the 80s, it became more about technology, right? It was right. about sampling, and which is cool, too. But in the 70s, it was still, let's bring a string section in. Let's overproduce this baby, you know? And, you and like, there's been a lot of, like, dissing of bands because, you know, they had to have, in the studio, they had to bring someone to do the guitar solo. Right, right. Or they had to bring the the level of musicianship to play well on a record back then in the 70s. That was huge. There's oh. no editing yeah. I mean, nowadays you can, uh, in gar- my little application, GarageBand. You can fix a lot of stuff. You can actually quantize vocals. You can mm. quantize live drums. Quantize means you you move the the placement of the, the sound in time so it fits the beat perfectly. And that didn't exist back right. then. Right, right. And, and so Super Tramp is from that school, right, where... They had to write great songs. They had to arrange it. They had all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah. So I didn't know they were on this list. That's awesome. Two of my favorite bands, Chrysalis bands, UFO and the Michael Shanker group. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and so here's the thing I'm going to spring on John. I've never told him this. I I feel like John can be a guinea pig because John will tell you he's not a diehard classic rock I'm nerd like not, I am. I'm a he's, pop guy. He's a pop guy. And and here's what I appreciate about John. John still likes to listen to new music, right? All the time. I've already given up on it. I think it all sucks. <laughs> Anything after 89 sucks. That's only partly true. But so I admire John that he still listens to new stuff. But what I would love to do... It's like it's like punishment for John. It's John must be punished. Is say we'll just assign albums to John and say John, you've got to listen to this album and turn in a report. How that, do you what do you think of that? I think that is my wife would love that. My wife is an English teacher for <laughs> high school and she gives those assignments. I have I have yet to take an assignment from her in terms of writing a report. Okay, but I would I would. You know, you, you would, don't have to write a report. You can make a presentation okay. on the podcast. Here's the first one I'm going to assign you. Ready? Okay. Uh, here's your assignment for an oral presentation. It is 
UFOs, Strangers in the Night. Strangers in the Night. Okay. A live album. Okay. Okay. That's the assignment. UFOs, Strangers in the Night. Okay. Okay. So you have to, between now and sometime, yeah. you have to listen to it and, and come back UFO. with a report. Okay. I got a band that I really like. Okay. 80s band. This is... If I could have a soundtrack to my life, mm-hmm. a Simple Minds song would be on it. <sighs> yeah. You know, that, all those John hey, Hughes movies. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, I, I love that song. I'm, I'm talking Don't You Forget About Me, yeah. but, but they're a chrysalis band. Let's see who else they got on here. How about, we've mentioned them before, Procol Harum, speaking of Robin Trower, they were a chrysalis band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <that's> <laughs> That sounds just, that sounded good. That sounded just like him. You're like the guy in Police Academy that does all the sound <laughs> effects. Yeah. Michael Winslow. Michael Winslow. Oh, look at it. my brain. is that was good. It's it clicked into place. We mentioned John Waite. Okay. John Waite. Uh, oh, how about this one? I'm sure John wore <laughs> this one out. I'm joking. Vinnie Vincent Invasion. Oh, Vinnie Vincent. <laughs> he, so, was he the guy that played with, with, um, Kiss. Kiss. Yeah. Yes. So he went, so. And he kind of fell off the pl- planet. Yeah, it's a sad story, actually. We could do a whole episode on Vinnie Vincent. He was very talented. I mean, he was he, he considerably talented, more talented than Kiss. He was. He was. He's a great songwriter, guitar player, but also very hard to work with. And they tell horror stories about Vinnie Vincent. But Slaughter, the group Slaughter. Yes. That's where he came. The, the lead singer... Can't remember his name. He was the lead singer of Vinnie Vincent. So basically, they all left Vinnie and brought in Mark Slaughter and became Slaughter. You know, and they had some Fly to the Angels. You know, they had some hits in the early nine, late 80s, early 90s. But they all kind of came out of the Vinnie Vincent invasion. He was a weird dude. Wasn't he like the the pharaoh? Is that what his it was? Uh, yeah, he had, the, he had that, the that onk. onk symbol. <laughs> was gold i remember it was like yeah so so the the story is i don't know why uh, you know i'm a i'm a paul stanley fan so i i have i have listened to paul stanley's audiobook and he talks about the time with vinnie vincent and vinnie vincent's guitar solos were just getting longer and longer and oh. he he wanted to be randy rhodes and that's what paul said he said he just wanted he got the randy rhodes style guitar oh, with the the circle the the the, the, the v-shape the oh, kind of offset the, v the, the, the polka, famous the polka dot yeah kind of he wanted to have the he wanted to be randy rhodes and he wanted to be viewed like a guitar hero like randy rhodes and uh it got to the point that they basically would just have to shut off his guitar because his, his guitar solos would got so long, and and then he would just get furious, and they finally just had to get rid of him because he was just so, just such a pain to work with. <laughs> the uh, Pharaoh, the Pharaoh. Uh, so yeah, so Vinnie Vincent Invasion. There's a bunch of good ones on here. How about? Well, we mentioned Huey Lewis in the news. Oh yeah, yeah, they're a huge band. Let's see if I can find one here. Rory Gallagher. So yeah, for blues, he's a talented blues fans. Telly awesome. Player. Yeah. Slaughter. Oh, Slaughter was. Okay, so interesting. So all those guys left Vinnie Vincent, and then Slaughter stayed on Chrysalis, uh, an American glam metal band formed in Las Vegas by lead vocalist rhythm guitarist Mark Slaughter and bassist Dana Strum. Dana Strum, of course, has a lot to do with the Ozzy Osbourne story and everything else. So, uh, oh, 
Leo Kotke. Leo Kotke. He's a fingerstyle guitarist. Fingerstyle right? guitar player. Yeah, he's really good. The Ramones. <sighs> Spandau Ballet. Oh, this much is true. Trevor Rabin. Except in South Africa. So Trevor Rabin. Rabin. Is that how he pronounces it? I think it? he's anglicized his name from Rabinovich. Rab- oh, that makes sense. Okay. So he was a... Uh, was he a fill-in guitarist for Yes? Well, or? okay. This is a very interesting Because thing. he's a huge soundtrack guy. He's a soundtrack guy, and he was he was popular in South Africa. He's from South mm-hmm. Africa. He was getting together with Chris Squire. Bass player for uh, Yes. For Yes. And they were just playing. You know, they were putting stuff together for a project. And then they had what would become 90125, you know, the huge oh, album. Man. They they had that basically together. And then they bring John Anderson in kind of at the tail yeah, end just to sing remember, some yeah. stuff. And then Trevor Horn, who was the producer, who was actually replaced John Anderson a few years earlier in Yes. He's on the Relayer album, I think. Anyways, Video Killed the Radio Star, Buggles. The Buggles, yeah. That's Trevor Horn. So phenomenal bass player and just a brilliant producer so anyways they bring john anderson in and at that point they said what the heck why don't we just call it yes and i don't i wonder how trevor felt about that because this was kind of he kind of it was his baby and then they just bring john anderson in and they said okay let's call it yes but i don't think john anderson wrote a whole lot i don't think he did i think it was a fantastic album it's an awesome album it was so the guitarists of, of Yes were... Steve Howe. Steve Howe and Steve Hackett? No. Hackett was in uh, Genesis. Genesis, okay. But Howe and Hackett worked together on and GTR. GTR. <laughs> exactly. But but here's the thing. And diehard Yes fans, some Yes fans do not like 9021, because that was a big sellout. Had uh, 90125 not happened, Yes would have... Ended. There right. would have been no yes. There would have been no legend soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but I love it. I but I also like old yes. I like fragile. But without Trevor Rabin, he saved the band. There would have not would been a yes after the early eighties had it not been for Trevor Rabin. And that's their most successful album. They had Big Generator after that was pretty successful. So Trevor Rabin saved. Yes, yeah, he really did. And whether the diehard yes fanatics want to admit it, that's just true. So, Chrysalis, any other, any last bands? Oh, uh, let's see. Oh, Leo Sayer. <laughs> <laughs> I love you more than I can say. Okay, you said the Ramones. I, I want to make sure we're not missing. It. Oh, Mickey Dolans. Mickey Dolans. <laughs> uh, I got all his out. Oh, Liz Fair. Remember her? Liz Fair. I do remember her. So that was she was a big um, '90s gal act, if I remember. And she yeah. was hot. I. She didn't have to sing. Yeah, obviously. I can't tell you what she looked like. Actually, I don't remember, but she, I remember the name. Oh man, she was she was a very attractive gal, and uh, I don't think she did much after. No, that. Sinead O'Connor. She was on here too. She's talented too. Yeah, she uh, some a lot of bands. So what's the point? The point is, Chrysalis. There's some great artists. Yeah, great artists. So do you think they follow the ninety ten rule? Um, how so? So the ninety ten rule is ten percent of the acts make ninety percent of the money. Oh, I'm sure. 
I'm sure they do. In fact, it might be more like the two. 98. 98. <laughs> I don't know. There's some, I mean, there, no, it looks like they're right. batting. I mean, there's a couple acts. I, there's a lot of acts I have, like Boo Huterdine. Huterdine. <laughs> I can't tell you one single. I, I don't know that person existed until I just read that. But they've got, you know, just the ones that, that you think of off the top of your head. Blondie, Pat Benatar, Huey Lewis, Joan Jett, Billy Idol. There's some pretty there's some heavy, heavy hitters yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think they did a good job. I think so, too. And then they got too big, and then they got bought and sold and bought and, and sold, and, 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 and everything dissolves. Yeah, absolutely. But the magic but, goes. And it even mentions, uh, as we read through, 80s was really their decade. Yeah. 80s was their decade. But but uh, one of my favorite labels, and, and I'm continually, you know, as I look at the songs I really like, you know, oftentimes I go, oh, it's Chrysalis. Surprise. You know, so. Well, so that was I, fun. I got my homework. Got your homework. Chrysalis album, Strangers in the Night. Strangers in the Night by UFO. So here's the one little caveat for that. And you can do it whatever you want. So the actual album was released, and it's a two-sided, you know, album. Albums are two-sided. Or fourth, two. It's a double. It's a double. <laughs> it's a double, double. Album. I thought you were like. A, no. Like you Even all your records are one-sided. So, so it's a two LP. It's a double LP. And so you can listen to that version, but then as they've re, and here's what I love about Spotify is they'll real re-release stuff. And I don't like it so much when they just give you 10 versions of the same song. Yeah. But for the, the UFO, they actually add additional tracks. So songs oh. that weren't on the original Strangers in the Night, there's several more. So it would be like a, Forple, a so, Forple LP. So it's like this music wasn't good enough to be on the album <laughs> exactly. the first time, but, but we're really going to sell it But you can listen now. to it. Well, but see, that's the funny thing is that's how I was first exposed to it was the 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 digital version of it. So I listened to it, and then when I finally got it on vinyl, I'm like, it's so short. It's missing half of these songs. Uh, but anyway, so however you want to do it, I'll do it. Okay, awesome. Well, this was fun, John. It absolutely was. If you haven't done so yet and would like to please become a sponsor on patreon you can be a sponsor of the show for as little as three dollars a month and as always check out our website classicguitarrock.com and we will see you on the next episode of the classic guitar rock podcast bye-bye see you guys thanks for listening to the classic guitar rock podcast oh sweetie please like subscribe and share you can email us at classicguitarrock at mail.com. We're not ordinary people. <laughs> We're morons. We'll see you for the next episode of the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. <laughs>